0: Thank you. and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trumbull from the Executive Bill, and today, today is a good day. See, today is a good day because honestly, I, I'm—I feel like I'm a little bit giddy. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling that anxiety, that, that good anxiety, because I get to hang out with a really awesome guy who I got to meet almost—I feels like two years ago. Who's that awesome guy? That awesome guy is Dr. Michael Arena, but we're going to call him the Doc Meister. We're not going to do that. So, sorry, Michael, <laughs> but. Michael is such an awesome guy. He is the chief science officer and co-founder of Connected Commons, a research consortium that brings together business and academic thought leaders to develop and apply organizational network solutions. Prior to that, he served as the uh, vice president, yeah, for a little known, (laughs) the vice president of talent and development for a little known organization called Amazon Web Services, yeah, that one and then finally prior to that the guy was a boss bossing up at um as the chief town officer at General Motors Corporation. How are you doing today, kind sir? I'm um, well, I'm um, well. How about you? We I have to say, I have to tell your, your
1: audience, like we had this debate about, you know, you shouldn't call me doctor. It's too formal. Uh, and and Alex slipped it in anyhow. So we <laughs> we already have a sense as to how this conversation's about to go, right, Alex? <laughs> I <laughs> I had
0: to set the stage, but af- but after that, you and I can just we can just hang out, Michael. You know, just, just shooting the breeze, right? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> well, you know, I I really have been excited for this conversation because um, I, th- I want to say almost two years ago, if, if maybe two years ago, um, I was hired to to facilitate a discussion with you at this this big conference, and you were sharing your 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 research and your findings when it came to Um, the connections and relationships within an organization, um, how they were prior to COVID and where they were starting to go during COVID. Um, That is, that's a setup. I'd love for you to talk about some of your research. Do you remember what you, one, do you remember that conversation? And two, I'd love to just talk about some of that. Yeah. um, I'm
1: glad to dive into that. So um, what Alex didn't say in regards to, you know, the the introduction is my passion is for networks. Um, So You know, in both of those experiences and some academic experiences, I've studied networks and, you know, really looking at how do people interact um, and what happens, you know, over time in regards to these interactions inside the network. So, you know, the way we show up in, first of all, a remote environment, a remote working environment and, you know, the disruptions and all the things about life that creep in um, have, have created some challenges for us. Um, and one of the things that I've spent a lot of time on over the last really three years, almost going on three years now, is how do human beings continue to interact, both in a remote environment, uh, exclusively remote environment? I did a lot of this face-to-face prior to that. And then now in this, like we're only really getting into the hybrid world these days. And, you know, how do connections show up? And there have been some really super interesting findings um that that I'm glad to share and we can certainly deep dive into.
0: Well one of the things I found interesting was that there was there seemed to be a uh, a deterioration of relationships once we moved to that more virtual um virtual space and not only the deterioration but increased silos within organizations. Um and this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to nerd out for a second. So when I was in my master's program, there was, where was an analysis that I was really interested in doing, but I've never had an opportunity to do this within, within a company. It was called a white space analysis. Um, so you kind of look at the, uh, for everyone, you, you could like look at the organizational chart and you're like, oh, formally that person reports to this person, this person reports to that one. But the white space analysis was more so focused on, well, who do people trust? Um, who, who, who do people go to for information um, and very, um, very important infor- pieces, of point data, data points such as that. And that would allow an organization to say, wow, you know, that person, Thomas over there, you know, he may not be or um, she may not be in this super, quote unquote, um, high organizational role. But they're a place where everyone goes for information. So if Thomas leaves, um, we may actually suffer more than what we what we think we may suffer. Um, and that's just one example. So that, that was the first thing that popped in my head when you were talking about your your research on those networks within organizations.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, there's a lot there. So I'll I'll go in a couple different spaces in response to that. Um, it, it's really important to know how the informal organization interacts on a day to day basis. Like the very first thing we ask if we're interacting with a new organization, a new employee inside of an organization is. Where's the org chart? You know, the org chart isn't even a good approximation for what really happens. Um, Mm -hmm. Usually it's obsolete the moment that the ink dries uh, because things are shifting around constantly. And we just happen to live in a more dynamic world and our organizations need to keep up with the dynamic nature of the outside world. And and then there's, you know, I haven't heard it described as the white space um, analysis, but usually we identify maybe as many as 50%, but generally not more than that of the true influencers in the network or the true influencers day to day when we look at top down methods and it turns out that there are a lot of very somewhat silent and quiet people who are deeply trusted by their peers who are getting stuff done on a day to day basis and you know they oftentimes go unnoticed uh, frequently go unnoticed and you know so we're we're losing you know some estimates have been as much as 80% of the potential of an organization by not really tapping into the informal networks and the way that information flows day to day. And that, that's really important in this hybrid context because what you started to allude to, Alex, is you know, what we saw almost immediately when we went remote was um, organizations started to these bridging, there are two different, I got a geek out now, there are two <laughs> different types of connections I analyze um, on an ongoing basis. One is what we call bonding connections, And that's generally like how well connected are you to your other teammates and in-group peers, you know, those people that you get work done with on a day-to-day basis. And then there are bridging connections. Who who in your team is connected to another team and so on and so on? Who are those people that are linking up teams? And it turns out when we went remote, we lost about 30% of those bridge connections overnight. Uh, So it was the connected fabric across teams that was really first sacrifice when we went remote. And and all that does is, you know, it certainly slows down like the innovation process and the influencing process across teams. And, you know, we've been leaning in really heavily at the Connected Commons to help organizations think about, you know, how can you rebuild that fabric? Good news is you can do it in a remote environment. Uh, The bad news is, it takes more iterations. It's a little harder, and it takes a lot more intentionality. And that's that's certainly where I've uh, spent my time over the last two and a half plus years.
0: So, so I'm going to ask you a question that's going to give everyone the opportunity to hate you. Um, should companies be pushing everyone back to the workplace? <laughs> um,
1: it's, it is the debate. Like, right? I, I partially is my answer, and I, I do sometimes uh, lose friends over this debate. I don't take a side on the debate. I let the science stand up, and you know I think we we have sensationalized this debate. Like on one side of this equation is the Elon Musk saying, you know, hey, you must be back in the office if you're a Tesla employee, or you know, first thing, first move he did at Twitter was you know removing the remote only work mandate, and then he says like really silly things. You know, somebody on Twitter once asked, well, what if we've proven we can be more productive, you know, working remotely, and his response was. Well, then you should pretend to work someplace else, um, and you know that's one way we go into this argument. The other one is employees are saying, "I need, I love the greater flexibility. I love working from home. I've proven that I can be productive," and those are all true statements. Uh, what they don't realize generally is the overall impact on well-being. You know, our overall workplace stress levels are higher than they've ever been in human existence. A lot of that has to do with work. We're social creatures at the core mm. and we are not interacting. Even if we like innately think we should be, um, we're not interacting in the same way in, in a remote environment. So, so there are other things that are breaking down. So I actually don't think that the extreme arguments is that useful. I actually think we're somewhere in between. And that is, you know, you should not be in the office every single day um, unless you have a job. You know, obviously this is knowledge workers I'm mostly talking yeah, about. Yeah. If you have a job that requires you to be in physical presence, that's that's a different thing. But you can be more productive in a remote environment, and yet you belong to an organization or a part of a group for a reason. And periodically getting together uh, can amplify lots of different features inside the network from an innovation standpoint, from an overall well-being standpoint, and can continue to maintain productivity. Uh, so I so I fall somewhere in between, and I, I think really. The reality is we need to push those decisions down to the people that really understand the flow of work they're in at the team level. So so I I, I don't take a side on the great <laughs> thing. I say it depends like every good scientist would and you use the data to help point you towards the right solution at the right time.
0: If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have Fed's Protection Professional Liability Insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a FEDS policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must-have for federal managers and starts at just $290 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. Uh, I'll I'll tell you, I think it was 4th of July, I was hanging out with some friends and um, we got into this conversation and they were saying how, you know, they were just had no interest in going back to the office. And, you know, I I laid out a very similar argument to yourself and, you know, and, and talking about the, you know, belongingness and. Anxiety and stress, and this is a reality that there's a lot of individuals who, um, again, this is from my experience. Everyone, so don't hate me too much, but there's a lot of individuals who who are working from home now, but they're not only more disconnected from their office mates, but they're also more disconnected from their friends, the people who they used to see when they would go to the general area when they were commuting. Um, I was talking to a, um, a, a good friend of mine yesterday who we were talking about the same thing. And he said, look, there's a networking, a really great networking event he'd love to go to. Um, it was 20 minutes from the office or an hour away from his house. And he's like, you know what the reality is, is I'm not going to go. Um, so, um, so I think there's there are a lot of benefits um, to 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 having a blend such as what you just talked about. Um, you can, I'm not for 100% either way. Um, I think it has to be dependent on the the, the situation within that organization that particular person. um, But it kind of makes me think, again, please check me on this one. It makes me think of candy. Um, How? (laughs) Let let me run with this one. Um, How like we, like candy can taste really good and it can make you feel good and it can give you a spark of energy, that candy. Um, But we also know that too much candy, you know, rottens your teeth, right? Uh, It can cause diabetes and, and so on and so forth. And so it's like one of those things. Like, how do you tell someone that, hey, I know you're enjoying this, but it's not really that good for you? You know, I, that, that's the conversation I feel like I'm having at times.
1: Yeah, um, and less in moderation. So I, I, I love the <laughs> candy metaphor. I hadn't I hadn't thought of that one before. Um, but I, I think that's right. Like, and, and just you know, we're hypocrites as human beings. It's kind of funny. I, I'm I equally fall into this category. Like, I can look at this stuff objectively and from a science standpoint. I love working from home. I mean, I can be super casual here. I can get lots of different things done, but we're also hypocrites. Like, I, one survey, the same survey, same employee population group. Um, I think this was a 50,000 person organization. And they were asked the question, employees were asked the question, what, you know, would you rather remain working from home or would you rather come back in the office? And 73% of the people said, I want to remain home. I want to work, continue to work remotely. In the very same survey, this shows you how big a hypocrites we are. Another question, 68% of the same 50,000 human beings said, I can't wait to get back in the office to reconnect with my colleagues. <laughs> so we're, we're walking hypocrites in many ways. Um, and I think, I think you know it, what we really want is the autonomy to be able to make those mm-hmm. choices, because we've mm-hmm. proven we can be productive in this environment. Um, you know, but there are times where we need to be back together uh, and, and maybe in the long term, I'm super optimistic about the future work. And I really believe that, you know, we probably reinvented the future work 50 years. You know, if we look in, you know, this time period, these three years, plus the next two through the experimentation that's happening right now, I believe we will have fast forwarded the way we work by 50 years when we look back retrospectively. Mm. Uh, but in the midst of it, You know, it's kind of confusing and kind of messy. And, you know, we don't have clear perspectives. So that's going to evolve and emerge. And I'm really optimistic about how we're going to have some win-win scenarios, both for businesses and flexibility for employees, access to talent markets that companies have never had before, Uh, more flexibility on, you know, people who don't need to work full-time but want to work and, and come and go more fluidly. I just think long-term, there's more advantage to some sort of real-working hybrid than disadvantage. But it's going to take us some time to work the anxiety out of all that.
0: Ooh, I'm going to ask you another question. Okay, check this. How about this? How about this? VR. Mm, mm. Does that solve the problem of connectedness? I, I went to the, um, the Aspen Institute. Um, I got selected as one of their fellows, and um, the, the focused area I was on was metaverse. And I can tell you that conversation was a very, very interesting conversation. And there are a lot of very real possible negative consequences that can that can happen from a sociological and a psychological standpoint, moving too fast in that direction without being intentional. Um, However, you know. If you, if you can throw on some some goggles and jump in a room with someone, do you think that do you think that solves that challenge of the the connectedness and whatnot? I th- I think it solves some problems and I think it creates
1: some new ones. Um, I and I'm not this is not my expertise. Um, but I worked with a lot of people who um have played around in this space. And you know, if you you can imagine like a couple of use cases just to, to make a point here. You know, if you're a new employee and you started, you know, remotely in your office in D.C. and the rest of your organization is headquartered on, I don't know, uh, San Francisco or L.A., you know, you might not be able to get back into the office for the first time for quite some time. So I could imagine, you know, some sort of VR experience that brings you into the setting, gives you a feel for everything around you in a 3D environment, puts you there with other people in virtual land as an accelerant. You know, to your onboarding process. So absolutely, like there is a place for that. Um, if we go full course and like we all build our avatars and, you know, you don't you don't get to see, you know, my face smiling here. And, you know, no one gets to see Alex's energy in the same level of enthusiasm <laughs> that can be replicated in you know, some sort of avatar. You know, we lose social signal. So I, I think at the end of the day, uh, we, are, we are social beings at our core. And each of us, were, um, before we could even use words, we're communicating through social signal, through oohs and mm. goos and ahs with our, mm. with our mother and father. And, you know, we lose that. Um, so I'm, I'm somewhere in between. Again, I think there is always a use case for these things if we go to extreme you know we break down literally the the social fabric and the human dimension of who we are and i think we create other problems um, it would be very easy for someone to hide out inside their office or room as their avatar and become you know somewhat socially dysfunctional if we're not thoughtful about the other extreme so everything's in moderation you know back to your candy <laughs> metaphor like candy's okay in moderation but if you if you're all you're doing is digesting sugar it's going to hurt at some point soon. And I think that's, again, that's why I'm so long on the future. We're going to figure that out. And it's not going to be Elon Musk. And it's not going to be fully remote uh, for every human being. And it's going to be something in between. And it's going to be smarter than where we started from, in my view.
0: You, you know, you say you're long on the future. And to be completely honest, I, uh, I, I am. I'm definitely long on the, I think, short-term future. I don't know what we're going to do and craziness, all that kind of stuff. But in regards to technology, I think there are some very interesting things about. Um, this past uh, well, this has happened this week, but then this is being aired is probably a month ago. Um, we had a major breakthrough on fusion energy. Um, th- there is a, a Harvard professor right now that has found a way to increase and then also um, uh, decrease the age of mice. They've been able to actually make a mouse older, then make it younger again. Um, getting rid of challenges like glaucoma and so on and so forth. Um, The technology we have is just moving and growing at such an exponential pace. You know, what flying cars will hopefully, will likely have in in the years to come. Um, What do you, what new technologies, I mean, again, I I know you're you're an awesome thinker. Are there any interesting technologies or or breakthroughs you see coming down the Pikeway um, that we should be thinking about?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I I think of technology more from an enabler standpoint. Uh, and, you know, certainly like these breakthrough infusion, like, I mean, there are all these other sort of macro issues that, that certainly need to be resolved. Um, and, you know, if, you know, if we get fusion right and we can create, you know, inexpensive fuel sources that can help us to clean up the planet and all like, yes, yes, yes. Every day of the week, we should run and charge into those things. Um, I I just keep coming back to technology as an enabler, technology not as a substitute for human existence. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm a I'm a social scientist, so that's yeah. that's where I will always go. And I think you know, my view is is very simple. We may be able to build things that can uh, replicate or substitute what we human beings do. Uh, you know, there's a lot like there's a lot of AI work happening on creativity right now. So not just like, how do we use it to solve rope problems, but how do we use it to elevate our creativity? And will we be able to build AI technology to do that? With the trajectory we're on from a tech development standpoint, I can't imagine we wouldn't be able to do that. The question really will be, I think, will the human beings allow that to happen? And will Mm -hmm. they allow technology to take over the very human existence and why we live to create and generate and engage? and interact with other human beings. And I, I i think we will draw a line. I don't know how, like, this is super philosophical. yeah. And I don't spend days thinking about this stuff, Alec. But um, I, I don't think we as human beings will allow the technology to replace who we are. So so I think there are boundaries um, and there'll be a diminishing return at some point. Uh, we're not quite there yet. Uh, Cause there, I mean, I don't know if you've used the, this new sort of open AI feature, like you could type in, anything you want to um, around, Hey, I want a white paper on this. And it will automatically generate it. And if you don't like that one, you just click on it again. And it automatically, you know, the, the box in the background, you know, come the world's intellect, you know, automatically reinvents. Like, yes, that's awesome. But, but I, I still want to think like, I, I don't want to <laughs> just have somebody, some robot do all my thinking. Uh, and I, you know, so it, it's both fascinating to me as a supplement to my thinking, and spooky to me as a replacement for our need to think. And and then I don't know why. I mean, we're way out in front of what I would usually talk about, Alex. But then I don't know what happens to human existence at that stage.
0: Well, uh, honestly, I just enjoy having these weird, interesting conversations with people who who are who are great thinkers, um, because you you. I think you and I fall in alignment with that because I am not by any means uh, an, an engineer, a super scientist at anything. And I actually come from this from the same perspective as you, from a psychological and or sociological background. Um, and I, 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 this is something that I have been seeing a lot recently. It's just been the dependence on, on technologies and whatnot to build relationships with other people, whether they be TikTok, social media, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of very interesting data around that. Um, and so I, I do, I, this is now completely left wing, left you know, turn, whatever. Um, but I almost feel like this, this is a great point to say, you know, with this technology and everything that we have growing throughout our world, it's really important to take a step back, um, disconnect, spend some time on your own in your own mind thinking, um, looking at some trees. Like I think that stuff is really important.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree anymore. Um, and I- and I think getting critical distance uh, from the craziness and the messiness of the world we live in right now as human beings um, is, is really important. I mean, I, you know, one of the things I know you spend a lot of time on is like, how have people progressed in their careers and what about their career achievements? And, you know, I, th- I think like all of that and, and what's happening in business and purpose and where do you fit in as, a, as an individual and, and what, what are your passions? You know, I think all of that stuff. It's super critical to the human experience. So stepping back, I I know for me, here we are coming up on the holiday season. I'm really looking forward to just doing nothing but spending time with family, uh, finding a good book, and just sitting down and just like re-engaging with myself and and loved ones uh, to, to really recalibrate. And you know, I don't do that often enough. I'm sure your listeners don't do that often enough. And and I think, I think that's critical, right? Like we, again, I'm fascinated by technology advancements. I'm fascinated by, you know, what's happening with the future of work. Um, and at the end of the day, we can't allow that to steal away from, you know, our human existence. And there we, we are, here we are, time to step back.
0: Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been ensuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WAEBA can be used as a supplement or replacement for Fagley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WAEBA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. But you have served in some Extremely um, influential positions within world recognized organizations, whether it be GE, Amazon, your own company now um, that you've co-founded. How do you? I'm going to push back again. I know what you're going to say but I'm going to push back on this. Um, you, how do you t- take time to step back and think? When shouldn't you be grinding? Shouldn't you be hustling? Shouldn't you just be going, you know, balls to the wall so you can so we can reach those levels that you've reached?
1: Yeah, I mean, I Here's what I would say about that. It requires discipline. And, you know, you you have to be really thoughtful about not letting your soul and self and passion be stolen by some organizational purpose. And for me, I play a role in those organizations. I played a role and and I tried to excel at that. You know, it's my responsibility to do that, but it's also my responsibility to remind myself of who I am and who I am not and I just I think you know I spend a lot of time I'm in the talent management space I spend a lot of time helping people think about their careers um and my my strongest advice is don't lose you in the midst of your pursuits don't let your success override who you are as an individual and so there are just some safe like for me it's just instilling some disciplines you know I won't I won't talk about specific roles um but I will tell you, I took on a very challenging role at one point in my career. I knew it was going to be hard. It wasn't for the faint at heart. I knew it was going to be a challenge. It's why I took the role. And I set some safeguards for myself before I ever stepped into this role. And I, you know, three things wow. I created three disciplines. One was I created something I called the six week rule, which is every six weeks, I will take one day minimum one day and not vacation days. I will take one day away from this institution and I will do nothing but partner with other people or engage in things that I personally love in a way to get critical distance so that I get perspective from the outside in and I can work on the system but not necessarily be of it and let it distort my own identity. Um, So I had a six-week role. I, I created a council and and this will sound arrogant, I don't mean it to, like their friends. Um, so I created a, a council of friends um, who were kind of like a board of directors, that, like I contracted with them before I stepped into this role. Here are my big objectives of what I would like to accomplish. And I would get together, not always collectively, sometimes one-on-one, but each quarter with these folks. And they, w- they would remind me, like they had this document of my commitments in front of them, and they're friends, great friends, And they would remind me of how I was, um, frankly, being a hypocrite against my own objectives. Mm. Um, And then the final thing I did did in this particular case was I set guidelines. I said, "Okay, to really evoke change in this particular case, it's going to take me a minimum of three years. So I will not bail out within three years. Like I will give it no matter how detrimental it looks. I will force my way through unless I get fired. Um, and there were times where I truly thought maybe that could happen and <laughs> that would be for the better. Um, but I set thresholds, I'll, I'll be here for three. And I set outside thresholds of five. By five, I will become them. And I won't be able to have as much of an, and again, these are were my rules and one. So those disciplines are the only things that kept me going. Those disciplines and the and and I added new challenges or new new you know rigor you know throughout the process. But there were plenty of times in that three-year window where I, I, I would have quit. Like in that moment, I would have absolutely quit. But I commi- mm-hmm. committed to and convicted myself to keep powering through. And it, a remarkable thing happened in this particular instance at about the three-year mark, really it was almost almost three. So under three years things started to turn. And by the time I hit the fourth year, it was everything I have possibly imagined that could yeah. have happened was beginning to evolve. Yeah. So, so I, I think it just, you know, how do you remain whole in the midst of an organization that is constantly, or role, and people, and there are many good reasons, like you want to help serve your team. How do you continue to remain whole in the midst of all those things? That's a challenge, and you, you got to be disciplined about it
0: what, what would you say one I absolutely love this and to be completely honest I'll be taking some of these for my own career um as I move forward so thank you so much for this um what would you say to those people who are like yes yes michael this is i'm gonna do this i, I want to do this um but I'm, but I'm i'm scared i'm I'm scared that if i if i if I create boundaries then hmm. someone's gonna fire me if i don't just do whatever Whatever those powers that be say, I gotta do on their deadlines. I gonna, I'm gonna get fired, and and then my life will be in shambles. Like, what do you say to those people who 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 mm. want to implement what you say, but they have that that, that hesitancy? Mm.
1: Um, you know, I mean, you got to draw those own boundaries. So, like, uh, I'm always really careful whenever I get to this boundary of like my personal um, safety, you know, my family's well-being. Uh, whether or not I'm willing to take this next risk. I think that's a personal line. I think you need to draw that line for yourself. And I'm always very careful of this advice because I don't want to commit malpractice. Uh, But then on the other hand, it's like, you know, if you're not pushing up against that boundary of failure, you're not being your brilliant self either. You know, it's a really fine line between failure. You know, oftentimes people talk, this is um, one of the things I oftentimes talk about with career advice You know, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't often quote Bill Gates, but one of my favorite quotes, and it's a Bill Gates quote, is success is a lousy teacher. Um, And if you really think about it, success, and these are his words, success seduces people into thinking that they can't lose. Failure is a much better teacher. And, you know, what I would say is failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of it. And, you know, so so I, I push and push and push. And sometimes I push so far that i that i actually may frustrate somebody um i may anger someone and then i know where those boundaries are and then i got to decide is it worth pushing another step because it's important for the outcome or do i need to step back and recalibrate and the the answer is if you don't dance with that boundary of failure you're, you're not breaking through you're not really doing your your breakthrough work now you may progress you may you know Be successful, and and certainly that's great. That's awesome. Um, But but I'm saying push up against that boundary of failure, uh, flirt with it, experiment, and then see you know what what happens. Um, If you're if you're in early in your career and like losing your income is detrimental, like I understand. Like maybe that boundary is a little farther back than where it is you know later in your career. Or but but I've always found that um, I can think of one case, Alex, where I pushed that boundary just too far. Um, I didn't quite mm-hmm. get fired, but I got sent to Siberia. Um, and, <laughs> and, and living in Siberia, I hopefully I'm not offending anyone, isn't necessarily the best uh, career move, like when you get sent out on the remote island somewhere. Um, one, I recovered from it. And two, uh, long haul, I learned a lot from it, which was even more important. And two, what I realized was... Um, that failure point ended up making me six times more successful later in life uh, because I, I I gained more from that that experience than I would have ever gained if I would have been incredibly successful all the time.
0: You, you know, I, I know we got to wrap up soon because I think you got to jump on a call with Dan Cook. Um, I, I, I really just really appreciate everything you just shared and especially the idea of flirting with failure. Um, you, you you make me you remind me of a, a time when I was working at this this position for this principal, and um, up to that point in my career, like I don't miss deadlines, and I always miss uh, make meeting uh, make mission. Like I produce all, and that's what I was known for. That, that was my that was my 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 brand, and so I'm in this position, and there is something that needs to get done by a particular date. And we have like two weeks to get it done i'm, I'm bugging people i'm pushing people to make sure we get it done and it's just not moved um my principal at that point said hey look alex um you know we're not gonna move on this until we have this particular information and i was like yeah but we, we gotta get this done we gotta get it done we're not moving on this so um deadline comes i say you know what i'm submitting it we're i'm, I'm not i'm not gonna get this late <laughs> Submit it, it goes in um I still remember walking up to um my, my principal was out at a park. Um we were visiting up on, an area and she was sitting down, she said, Can I just talk to you? I said, Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I said, um, I was just informed that you submitted that that document. I said, Yeah. She said, Why did you submit it? I said, um, because there was a deadline and I've been pushing people, people to get it done, you had to submit it. But I told you not to. <laughs> and at that point, immediately I was like, Oh my God, she's she's serious. Yeah. Um and I didn't get fired, but I went home that day, like basically in tears. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna get fired. I'm gonna lose my job. Um, and to your point, point, like one some mentors told me exactly what you say. Like sometimes you got you got to push it. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes you're gonna you're gonna go too far. <laughs> you got you got to deal with the consequences. Um, but to your point, moving forward from that point, I I I then learned mm-hmm. there are certain deadlines you're just not gonna make. Mm-hmm. And some of them it sucks, but it's better to not make it. Than to put in something that's not ready, and that was a huge learning opportunity for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's super. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And I and I think um, there's another element of that that's super important that we haven't talked about, and and it causes me to reflect on even words I've been choosing to use to to describe, you know, career progression and success and those things. And um, at the end of the day, you've got to bring that whole system along with you in order to create greater capacity and you know, whenever I, whenever I make it about me and my convictions, which I, mm-hmm. I have in some regards, you know, up until this point, um, then I start to lose what, what my power is as a leader or, or an influencer, an informal influencer even. And at some point, like, we got to bring the system along with us uh, because, you know, at that point, you know, I'm going back to this one example, at a five-year mark when I decide to move on and go do the next thing, the system has to have the capacity to replicate this. And part of my job is certainly to model and to demonstrate and to hold high standards and hold those for myself, but also to bring others, others along with me, us. And I think, that, um, I think that's sometimes the part that we lose. You know, when the success becomes only about us, uh, I do believe that you will, you will be successful in the short term in, with that way. But that's a zero-sum game. And if you're going to continue to play with those same folks over the long game, you know, you got to be successful with them. And that's going to make everybody better long term. Uh, and this isn't a zero sum game. This is an us, them, we uh, scenario. And I I think that's one of the things that people lose focus on whenever they're thinking about their own progression and their own success. We're all better together. And sometimes you need to slow down and just be humble enough mm-hmm. to realize this isn't really about me in the first place. Um, this is about us and the bigger mission. And I'm going to stop and let others catch up. And then I'll pull forward and keep challenging in the way. And they're going to do that for me once I've done that for them. Um, and at some point, I'll learn from that as well. So so it's much more dynamic um, than we, we sometimes like to think. So thank you for sharing that story because uh, it, it reminded me that I may have used the word I too many times in you know, <laughs> setting my boundaries. And I do that. And
0: it's it certainly as a social scientist, that doesn't, that's not the way the world works. Kind sir. Kind sir. Look, thank you so much for your time today. I, I want to open the floor back to you. Are, are there any final thoughts, ideas, anything that's going on in your world? Like you'd like to share with our audience.
1: Um, I, you know, I shared a little bit about the hybrid stuff. I think, you know, again, I map out networks and, you know, we, Boy, you know, the way you show up in your network, even just based on that last little, you know, sort of I tried you and I had, the, the way you show up in your network uh, matters as much to your success than your ability to perform, your ability to knock it out of the ballpark, your ability to generate the next set of new ideas. And maybe as much as 30 to 40% of your overall performance has to do with how you show up in your network. So um, so yeah, the, the one thing I would share, Alex, is You know, I think we're going to have a whole wave of new work coming up on social capital and career success um, and how you show up, you know, by energizing others. And like I know Alex well enough to know that he's like the the ultimate energizer in the world. (laughs) And he doesn't know this. I don't think maybe he does. But like that energizing behavior is actually four X more. Um, more than any other variable creates a 4x lift on your overall success and the Mm -hmm. success of those people around you because you draw people in and you know so your career path depends on the people you surround yourself with so if there was one last thing I would like to share it's you know remember you know mom used to give us this advice like be careful of the company you keep yes Uh, (laughs) it matters to your career like if you're if you're hanging out with people that are griping and whining about stuff every single day, what do you think they're doing when you're not there? And worse than that, who do you think they're griping about then? Um, so find the energizers, get yourself positioned in the network, and you can create a much greater effect
0: over one call. Oh, goodness gracious. We could not have ended this conversation any any better. Thank you so much, kind sir, for being here today. I, I really enjoyed our laughs. Um, today we 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 pondered, we laughed, we cried. Um, we, <laughs> we went through all those emotions. Um, but I, I can I'll, I can honestly say that I know, I know that everyone and anyone who's been listening to this and watching this, whether it be our podcast, whether it be YouTube, um, you've gained something here. And again, if you haven't, if you didn't hear anything that, that that set on your heart, I'm gonna look stop, push pause, rewind it, you're gonna listen to this again. And we will keep doing it until you catch something. <laughs> There is so much here. So thank you so much, Michael. And I want this for everyone who's who's listening. You know what I'm about to say. Don't just look back, read back. If there's someone else who you believe can benefit from what was shared today, some of the advice, the strategies, the, 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 the takeaways that were shared, don't say they should have been here. Don't, don't do that. You, you don't want to be that person bring this content to them, click the like, click the share, whatever you can do to make sure more people get to see and hear what you just heard, please do that. (sighs) But no further ado, as always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moved. See ya. listening to the executive appeal with alex trumbull i invite you to follow the executive appeal wherever you listen to podcasts follow me your host alex trumbull across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars courses and his speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership so until next time stay strong stay positive and definitely stay moving